Welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. All opinions expressed by me or guests of the podcast are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Life Moves Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any financial or investment decisions. Clients of Life Moves Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Dale Schaefer, and here's another great episode starting now. Let's go. And this is episode 26 of the Financial Purpose Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest and friend of mine, uh, Andrew Kish with Illuminate Home Loans. Andrew, welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. Thanks, Dale. It's great to be here. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great to have you here. And so, uh, Andrew, I'm going to just do a little brief introduction for you, and then you can kind of fill in the gaps along the way. So, uh, Andrew is a reverse mortgage specialist at Illuminate Home Loans. Illuminate, uh, brand new. This is the only, you represent the only branch of Illuminate in the state of Arizona. Is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. And uh, you you have a bit of a diverse background. I know we met probably about, a, would say, almost two years ago now. Um, we, we've known each other. And so you've done a lot of work, uh, a lot of industry experience across the world for some of the big big publicly traded companies that we all know, uh, if I said the names, but I won't because this episode is not about them, it's about Andrew. And uh, you've got a lot of P&L management experience. Um, you've been everywhere from Europe to Asia to the United States, uh, grew up in the Midwest. Uh, you've been married for nine years to your wife, Ashley. You've got two rambunctious but healthy boys. And uh, you're both in real estate. You've got a lot of experience uh, being a real estate investor yourself. And and now we're talking about reverse mortgages. So, Andrew, is there anything that, that I missed or that you'd like to tell more about? Yeah, I, that was a great intro. I appreciate that, Dale. And um, yeah, no, it's um, it has been quite the transition, you know, spending 23 plus years in corporate America, like you say, living and working globally. Uh, being in high-level leadership roles, it was a big shift about two years ago, jumping into the mortgage industry. But it was it was someplace that I've always had a passion. Um, you mentioned about my wife Ashley she has her real estate license. Well, actually, she got her real estate license. I got my mortgage license at the same time. Uh, we had previously you know, been acquiring rental properties, remodeling rental properties, and 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 managing those. So we'd rent them out and manage them ourselves. And so we always had a passion in the space. Um, and so when I left my last corporate role, I saw an opportunity to to, to make a shift in my career um, with the passion that we both had in real estate. We thought it was a great opportunity for her to get her license, me to get my mortgage license. And then I very quickly gravitated towards the reverse mortgage space, uh, primarily based on my business background. Um, you know, the reverse, reverse mortgage product is misunderstood. Uh, I'd say by and large, people misunderstand you know what it's about. It's a lot of negative connotation, um, so some bad history with it, which yeah. you know we kind of go into you know as as we're chatting here. But you know, I saw there an opportunity. Um, you know, I've throughout my career, I've, I've done a lot of education. You know, both to you know my teams, you know to clients. You know, I've always 
uh, even from a sales perspective, when I was in the corporate world, it was always a consultative sales process where I was educating, you know, you know, B2B clients. So I saw a great opportunity here to you know, leverage that experience and, and help educate, um, you know, business partners, professional partners like yourself, as well as, you know, clients on, you know, you know, what is the reverse mortgage product really all about um, and how to use it as a financial tool, which is, is what it actually is. And so again, having the business background that I have, um, it's been a great fit for being able to kind of take that business acumen, that business mindset um, and look at the reverse mortgage product and how to apply it as a, as a tool, the toolkit for a broader financial management, wealth management, strategy planning you know type activity and so um you know when i work with partners and clients you know i want to take a role where i you know, really try to approach a broader understanding of the financial plan the strategy that's in place and ensure that you know you know i can educate and then you know help determine if the reverse mortgage is going to be you know, a complementary or a supportive um, tool to that strategy and, and either help um, to enhance it or enable it, um, you, know, you know, in various ways. Um, and so that's where I've seen good success, you know, in, in the couple of years now that I've been in the industry is, is really kind of being that, that partner, that advisor uh, to try to help, you know, educate and, and determine where, where the product fits and, um, you know, help people, you know, understand that, you know, uh, a lot of negative connotation, negative perceptions or misconceptions about it, you know, aren't really accurate. Yeah. And that, that approach, uh, Andrew is, is why I think we've, we have, uh, had a good relationship going forward because I know it's, you know, reverse mortgages is definitely one of, uh, it might be among the most hated financial products, um, that are available. I, I, as a financial planner, I don't understand that because I, I like the reverse mortgage and in, in the right applications, just like any other financial instrument in the right applications, it can be a very helpful tool. So, so maybe tell the listeners and and a little bit here, Andrew, why, why, why does the market, why do you advisors, why do you clients, why does everybody hate the reverse mortgage so much? It's a great question. I think, you know, from what, from the folks I've talked to, a lot of financial advisors, you know, that I've spoken to in the last couple of years, you know, the traditional mindset has always been that the reverse mortgage is really a product of last resort, right? That, you know, kind of leave the home um, set aside as a, an asset that's not going to be touched. It's not going to be part of any financial management plan. Um, you know, the focus is always on the other investments, in the portfolio and other you know, um, income streams and that the house is kind of the contingency plan, right? And that's, I think a lot of, that's maybe the traditional mindset that, that a lot of folks have had of how to approach it. Um, and what I've done is I've found over the years, several articles and white papers uh, that are you know, dispelling that, that notion and, and suggesting that you know, you're, you actually get more benefit out of the reverse mortgage product by using it proactively, using it earlier in the process, not waiting until all the other assets are depleted uh, to then tap into it. Uh, you know, what it actually does is it allows the, the borrower to, um, 
take the burden off those other investments. You know, take you know if you know not be forced to have to liquidate certain investments and assets in a down market, for example, um, where mm -hmm. those assets are depressed. So if if you had the reverse mortgage in place, you'd be able to you pull on that and and leave your the rest of your portfolio alone and, and give it time to recover um you know things like that you know it's, it's also one of those assets you know one, one of the only assets um you know your home where you're still gaining appreciation even while you're using the equity right so you know if you have stocks or mutual funds or etfs or other things in your portfolio the only way to really get the you know the cash out of those investments to utilize it for other things is to liquidate them um, and then you're going to lose any future upside you know whereas your your home as an asset is going to continue to appreciate based on market value not based on the amount of equity that's in the home so you can leverage that equity utilize that equity still continue to get the upside appreciation that that, that asset's going to gain just through you know normal market um, appreciation um, and, and there's also flexibility in how you use the product, which we can get into some of that detail. But, you know, it's not a one time, you know, pull all the funds out and that's that. Um, I, actually, the most common vehicle for you know, utilizing a reverse mortgage is a, is a credit line, um, which really gives absolute flexibility and control to the borrower where they can not only draw, but they can, you know, pay, pay that line back down again. Um, they don't have to, uh, but they have the option to. And so, you know, there's benefits to utilizing the product in that way uh, because A, you're avoiding you know, some interest cost, you know, one, you know, by paying that balance back down again, you're avoiding that future interest cost. Um, you're now giving yourself the availability of that credit line again in the future. Um, and, you know, there's another feature that not everybody's aware of is when you have a reverse credit line, that credit line actually grows uh, over time. Now, depending on the type of product you're in, um, it grows at different rates. But um, you know, but but that credit line does increase over time, and so that again, by paying it back down, having availability of that uh, that balance, that balance will then grow. Um, and so there, there's that benefit as well. But I think. Yeah, some of the other common myths that people have and, and why they're looked at so negatively is that you know people think a they're they're selling the property to the lender, right? So they they feel like or the perception that's out there is I'm I'm giving up ownership of the property, um, or you know I could be kicked out of the property, or if if I use up all my equity, you know I'm not gonna be able to stay living in the home, etc. The main thing that people need to understand about a reverse mortgage is that it's a mortgage. So it, it's a mortgage, just like a forward mortgage. Um, you know, there, you still retain ownership of the home. You just have a, a lien against the property, you know, in form of a mortgage, just like you would on a forward mortgage. When you leave the home, um, you know, same thing happens. That loan needs to be satisfied. Just like if you had a forward mortgage and you were leaving the home, you know, that loan would need to be paid off. It can be paid off in a number of ways. It can be paid off via cash, via refinancing into a new loan or by selling the property and then just you know paying the loan off. Um, so it's really no different in that regard. Um, you, know, you know, you still have your obligations that you have with a forward mortgage. You can't get behind on property taxes and insurance. 
um, HOA dues. If you do, then you potentially get a lien against your property and you go into a foreclosure process. That's what happens with a forward mortgage. Same thing can happen with a reverse. I think the, the issue is that you know, it may be perceived to happen more often with a reverse, primarily because you know, most people, when they have a forward mortgage, they have the property tax, the insurance in escrow, and it's it's paid by the lender, right? So you're it's part of your monthly payment. You know, then that gets paid by the lender when it's due. And so it's out of sight, out of mind. When you have a reverse mortgage, since you're not making a monthly payment anymore, um, now it's the homeowner's responsibility to pay that property tax and pay that insurance when it's due. And so that's probably the main issue that we've seen is if the homeowners aren't educated well uh, and reminded that that's their responsibility, then they could potentially you know, be delinquent on making those payments. And that's where then they could get into a default position. So that's one of the things that, you know, me personally, I, I really <laughs> drive that point home, you know, with clients and make sure that they're aware. I even have certain clients that, um, you know, I'll set reminders and and follow up with them when I know property taxes are due for the first yeah. year, just to make sure that, you know, you know they, they don't trip up and, and they don't have that issue. Now, there, there is a safeguard in place um, that, that's been built in by the regulators where uh, everyone who's going to get a reverse mortgage has to go through mandated counseling. And that's actually one of the key things that is focused on in that mandated counseling is the homeowner's responsibility to, to pay the property tax, pay the insurance, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so they're hearing it. So if, even if they don't hear it from you know, the, the loan officer that they're working with, they're going to get it in their counseling session. You know, they're going, it's going to be in the documents. And again, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the, you know, once they finally sign and they're done, you know, with, with those documents, they're probably not going back and looking at them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's reiterated over and over and over again throughout the process, just to make sure that people are fully aware. And I was, I was going to ask about that counseling requirement because the, you know, the reverse mortgage and, and you, you said a couple of things in there that are, that were uh, points I was going to hit on. So they, they are unique, uh, and, and I've sat through your presentation, so I've, I've seen this. You know, I've I've had other education. I've read books on reverse mortgages, all of that. But a lot of people who might be hearing this, no clue, right? It even sounds weird. It sounds possibly too good to be true. What do you mean I get to have a mortgage, but I don't make a payment? And they're unique because you you do have the counseling requirement. There's an age requirement. Um, there's you know the fact that you don't get a payment or you don't have to make a payment, but your credit can, can credit line can continue to grow over time at you know some compounding rate depending on where things are at that point. And then also there's some tax advantages to using the money in a reverse mortgage as a credit line versus a stock portfolio or something like that. So I just hit probably four or five different things, but can you start maybe by talking about why the reverse mortgages are unique and particularly around the age requirement, which also then predicates the requirement of the of the counseling, right? Yep, absolutely. So yeah, the reverse mortgage was originally de designed for you know retirees, you know people that are entering retirement on a fixed income, and you know what what they've done is you know you spent your entire life building home equity, right? You you've had a mortgage, you, you probably didn't pay cash for your house initially. 
you, you probably had a mortgage at some point in time and you've worked diligently your whole life to either pay that off completely or mostly. And, um, and so you have a lot of equity built up in your home and, but now you're in retirement and you're on fixed income and it's tough to make ends meet. Right. And so the whole purpose of the product is to then, you know, think about your home as kind of like your, the biggest savings account you're ever going to have, right. You're paying into it, you know, you're working life, building all that equity up. And then, you know, now you're in retirement, you're able to now access that equity and start pulling it back out. And uh, so it was, it's intended for retirees. You know, there's two different main products, uh, types of products. So there's the HECM product, uh, which stands for Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. I'm glad uh, you that, said that. I thought you were just swearing at me when you said HECM. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> oh, okay. Or cl clear my throat. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, the HECM is the FHA product. Um, that, that is the product that's backed by HUD. Um, and has some, you know, more stringent requirements around it. Uh, for example, uh, the age requirement is age 62. Uh, one, at least one borrower needs to be age 62. Okay, and I say that because you you could have you know a married couple where one spouse is 62, the other spouse is 60 or 55 or even 25. I had somebody ask me in one of my seminars, can you do a reverse mortgage if you have you know a significantly younger spouse and the answer is yes you can um but there there are some effects that has and I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment but um so age 62 for at least one borrower if the other borrower is not age qualified then they would become what we call a non-borrowing spouse um and the key to that designation is that they get all the same protections as the borrower so if, if a reverse mortgage is put in place and the borrower ends up passing, um, that non-borrowing spouse, you know, still is able to continue to live in the home without needing to make a mortgage payment, um, you know, can live in the home as, as long as they want, as, you know, their only obligation is to keep up with those property expenses, taxes, insurance, HOA fees, and, and maintain the home. Uh, don't let the home go into major disrepair, right? Sure. So as long as, as long as they do those things, they're guaranteed to be able to stay in that home as, as long as the borrower, all right? Um, the only disadvantage to the non-borrowing spouse is that if it is a credit line, they don't have the ability to draw the credit line. So once the borrower passes, then they, they would not have the ability to access additional funds if, if there was funds available, um, which is why one of the strategies that you know, I would typically employ with clients is if, if you do have you know, somebody that's age qualified, somebody that's not, and they want to get into the reverse, and it makes sense to do it at this at this time. What we would do is set up a strategy to get them in, but then once the non-borrowing spouse becomes age qualified, sixty-two, we would want to refi them so that that borrower, so that that spouse now becomes a co-borrower, so that if anything should happen to the other spouse, they then still have access to the credit line. Now, again, it, it, there could be other situations where we don't have a credit line. Maybe they're just getting into the reverse mortgage to eliminate their forward mortgage payments. They, they had a pretty substantial mortgage balance still. We just wanted to eliminate that. In that case, probably doesn't make sense to refi them. Or maybe we're using the reverse mortgage to purchase a property, um, which I'll, I can go into detail on how that works. Yeah. But if, if they do that, then that's typically a one-time lump sum activity. 
There's not going to be additional equity, you know, to access down the road. So again, probably don't need to think about a refi in that situation either. But if if we're talking about having a substantial amount of equity on a credit line that we want to have access to, then we would recommend that that non-borrowing spouse so that we do a refi and and make that non-borrowing spouse a co-borrower at the right time. Okay. So those are kind of the things about the HECM. And then, um, and then the second type of product that's out there, we call it proprietary. Um, you could also think about it as jumbo. People are probably more familiar in the forward mortgage world with the term jumbo. Um, the only reason I say that is because one of the limitations on the HECM is not only the, the age 62, but it's also the uh, what we call the max claim amount, you know, which you can equate to the property value. So uh, for this year, the max claim amount is $1,089,300. So that's basically the cap that we put on the home value. Uh, if your home value is less than that, no problem. Whatever it appraises at is what we're going to use. It appraises at $900,000, then it's $900,000. If your home appraises at $1.5 million, well, then we're capped out at that $1,089,300 if we want to use the HECM. Um, there are these proprietary products that actually go up to a home value of four million, which is why we kind of say, you know, in a sense, they're kind of like the jumbo product, right? So because they go to a higher home value, uh, but there are other differences. So, for example, the age requirement: the HECM is sixty-two, the proprietary is fifty-five, right? So here again, one borrower needs to be at least fifty-five to get into the proprietary. Um, mm -hmm. You would say, okay, well, then why isn't everybody using that product? Age 55 to get into it goes up to 4 million. Seems like it's a much better product than the HECM. Um, in those couple you know, aspects, you could argue yes, um, but there are other factors. So the HECM is going to give you the best rates. Um, so you're definitely going to get a better rate with the HECM than you will with the proprietary, which is, again, consistent in the forward mortgage world with your you know conventional loan versus the jumbo loans you know we know sure. that jumbos always come in at a higher rate um, so it's similar there and then some of the other features like the credit line growth rate i mentioned earlier so with the HECM, the if you have a credit line and let's say we close your loan at six and a half percent as your starting rate well not only does your loan balance um accrue interest costs at six and a half percent, your available credit line is also growing at six and a half percent. Okay, so that's where there's big benefit to the HECM is you're getting a pretty significant uh, credit line growth rate. It, it, it actually equals, you know, whatever your uh, mortgage balance rate is. Um, Whereas the proprietary products are going to have a growth rate as well, but they're much lower. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, it's going to be about one and a half percent. So it doesn't matter if your if your loan rate is at six and a half or eight and a half or ten percent, you're still only going to get one and a half percent growth on your credit line. Also, the HECM, the credit line grows for life. So as long as you're in the loan, 15, 20, 30 years, if you're not touching that credit line, it's going to keep growing. Um, and you can draw it for life. As long as there's available credit line there, you've got access to pull that money out as long as you're in the home. With the proprietary product, 
you only have a 10 year draw period and it only grows for seven years. It's capped out at seven. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so typically, you know, again, it's, and that's why not to get too into, you know, different scenarios, but it's really going to depend on, you know, the situation. I'd say 80, 80 plus percent of the reverse mortgages that are being uh, originated are going to be the heck of uh, because it's basically a product to get into for life. Um, yeah, the proprietary has its purpose. And again, that's for higher home value. So again, like I was saying earlier, maybe if you're using it to do a purchase, maybe if you're just trying to completely eliminate um, a forward mortgage, you know, and it, you're just going to do it lump sum and be done with it. And maybe you, um, you know, again, it's just the way the numbers are going to work. You need that higher max claim amount to be able to make it work. You know, maybe that proprietary works for you or you're not old enough yet. So you're not 62, you're 60 um, or, you know, in your late 50s, you know, so there is a, a place for it. But typically, you know, if we are going to look at the proprietary product, it, the idea is that it's a bridge to until the borrower becomes um, eligible for the HECM. And at some point, you would want to convert them over, you know, typically. Okay. But again, there's scenarios where that's not always the case, but that's typically the case. Yeah, and I, I have seen uh, in my own experience, I've seen a couple of things. First thing I've seen is uh, the reverse mortgage used or or the HECM used to uh, pay off a traditional forward mortgage, and then that switches that client to not having the mortgage payment requirements, and then they can access the the credit line. And for a lot of people, especially fixed income, that that's a where it works, it works incredibly well for that purpose. Yep. The other thing that I've seen, um, maybe this would fall under the misconception umbrella is people just saying, well, but if I do this forward more or reverse mortgage, and then when I die, my kids, you know, they're going to have to sell the house because it's going to have this big loan against it. And they've made all these memories here and they're going to want to keep the house. And in my experience, the kids don't want the house. They want the money and they would rather have the money from your investment portfolio than they would from trying to deal with having to sell the house and try to split equity and deal with all that mess. So am I, am I off base or is that also true to your experience? Yeah, no, you're right on. And that's kind of been, that's been the transition. I think, you know, and maybe our, let's say our grandparents or you know, maybe even our parents' generation, um, yeah. you know, it's, you know, the idea of the family home, you know, that the kids, you know, may want to move into, you know, that that's, that's gone, right? I mean, that was the case maybe back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, but, you know, as you indicated, you know, most times, nine times out of 10 now, you know, the, the beneficiaries are just going to sell the home. You know, they're treating it like an asset, right? And so, you know, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's an asset. They're going to treat it that way. If they do want to retain it, yes, they've got options, right? So they can go get their own mortgage. Um, you know, if they've got the cash, they just pay off the loan balance and they keep the home. If they want to go uh, obtain their own financing through a forward mortgage, they could do that. If they're age qualified, they could go out and get their own reverse mortgage on the property, right? And if they want to move into it, right? So that's the requirement. I didn't touch on it earlier, but you know that's one of the other key requirements of any of the reverse products is it has to be your primary residence, right? So you have to be residing there. I was just going to ask because where uh, for everything that you and I just said culturally, where I see that slightly different is in situations where it's um, 
pardon me, like a second home, a vacation home, a lake cottage, something like that. Right. Um, those situations, the 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 inheritors will generally hold on to those kinds of homes uh, because they have they have more value to them. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The second home, you know, or a place to go spend a, a week vacation or something like that. Uh, so I was going to ask if that meant that these had to be only owner occupied properties or could you have a reverse mortgage on a second home or a vacation home or something like that? So the yes. So the answer is it has to be an owner. You have to put the loan on an owner occupied property. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't use the proceeds from a reverse mortgage to acquire a second home or an investment property, right? Uh, so right. if you have your primary residence paid off, you have a lot of equity in there, and you want to go pull some of that equity out and go purchase that second home or that investment property, then you can do that. Just like you could go do a cash out refi with a forward mortgage. You can do the same thing with the reverse, but again, you know, the benefit is you don't have to then make payments. So you can pull that equity out of the one property to then acquire the second or third or, you know, whatever additional property. But yes, the, the loan itself has to be on the primary residence. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. So we talked about the age requirement and the counseling and some of the 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 ins and outs, I guess, slightly the ins and outs of how the reverse mortgages work and how the credit lines grow. And so I, I think at this point, I'm curious, who who is typically an ideal borrower in a reverse mortgage scenario? Who who should consider a reverse mortgage and maybe even touch on who it's not ideal for? Yep. Great question. Um, so I think you've actually touched on a couple ideas, right? The traditional mindset is, Somebody's going into retirement and, you know, they're they're on fixed income and, you know, they're just trying to minimize their expenses. And, and so they still have a forward mortgage and that's a big expense. And so they're trying to eliminate that. So a reverse you know, is a great way to do that. You We pay off that forward mortgage and now eliminate the forward mortgage payment so that it immediately benefits cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, through the process, you know, we could also pay off other debts, you know, car loans, you know, credit card debt, you know, things like that. So you can do a debt consolidation um, is another, you know, you know, it could be wrapped in with that, or it could be kind of secondary via credit line. So you, there's a couple different ways that you can approach that. Um, even after doing those things, even after eliminating the forward mortgage, consolidating other debt, you might still have a situation where, you know, the fixed income, you know, that the, um, the borrowers on, just isn't quite enough. They still have a gap, you know, in their monthly cash flow, and you know they need to fill that gap somehow. So that's another way that the reverse mortgage can be utilized is we can set up either a, a term or a ten-year payment. Um, term being, you know, set monthly payments for a period of time, five years, ten years, what have you. And I, and I'll well, let me just I'll stop there and say here's a here's an exact scenario you can think about. Right. So you have somebody who's newly retired, um, hasn't actually started withdrawing Social Security yet. Maybe so they're 62. Let's say that there's a strat they have a strategy where you, you know, their financial advisor has worked with them and said, look, if you can delay taking Social Security until 65, right? Here's what your increase in benefits gonna be, right? We can help bridge that gap 
via the reverse mortgage where you could get set monthly payments for a three-year period that would be enough to you know sustain the you know the the lifestyle and then start taking social security payments at 65 yeah for example right so so there's a there's a scenario or a strategy there to use it so you can do that you can do a combination you can have those set monthly payments you know of 500,000 whatever the borrower needs and then have the remainder balance sitting on the credit line so that when you have those one off things that happen major medical expense um major car repair home repair you know other emergencies that may arise uh, they have funds of you know they can just tap into that credit line and pull whatever they need you know, five grand 20 grand whatever it is to cover that that one-off item they can do that it's still while they're getting their their monthly payments right so um so you know those are you know i'd say those are kind of the the primary you know uses it's really that cash flow and you know and addressing that um you know but some other things to think about is you know peace of mind you know we talked earlier about the the, the borrower and the non-borrowing spouse and what happens when somebody passes away right so you know, there's, there's a lot of cases where if that primary, you know, income earning spouse would pass away, maybe has some medical issues, maybe he's significantly older. So there's, a, there's some factors there that would suggest that that spouse, you know, may pass or will likely pass prior to, to the remaining spouse. You know, it's, it's peace of mind, you know, setting up that remaining spouse so that they know and they can have confidence that they could stay in the home. Because mm -hmm. maybe, you know, what's, you know, again, just with Social Security, for example, you know, we know that um, when the primary income earner passes, you know, the secondary, the remaining spouse, you know, you know, will get, you know, a portion of, you know, that Social Security benefit, but not all of it, right? So, you know, you had two people living together on a fixed income, one, one passes, their, their monthly expenses don't drop by a significant amount just because that one person's no longer there yet their social security benefit could or or will right you know, likely so you know th there's a situation where then that that remaining spouse may not be able to afford to stay in the home right um if they have a forward mortgage payment that is unaffordable and other things so you know part of it is just peace of mind of knowing that that surviving spouse you know will be able to stay in the home um, you know, won't have the, you know, the, the expense issue, the cash flow issue might have additional funds available if, if there's, you know, credit line and other equity they can tap into. So it's, it's really just setting that, that person up. Okay. Um, unfortunately divorce situations, and, and we do see that the data is showing that, you know, there's an increase now of older divorces, they're calling gray divorce, or silver, yeah. silver divorce. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're seeing that as well. And, and again, we have a situation where I think traditionally, um, you know, one of the spouses would want to stay in the home, but they can't, they can't afford to. Right. And so here's an, here's another option where the reverse mortgage might allow you know, one of the spouses to remain in that home um, and, and be able to afford, you know, not have to worry about a forward mortgage payment, also have equity that they can tap into. And so there's a solution there that would ease, you know, that that transition, um, you know, for that couple that, um, you know, as they're going through that that difficult, 
you know, situation, right? Yeah. Um, so that's another you know, one that people aren't really thinking of. Um, Semi-retirement, early retirement. I mean, we're, we're finding you know, people nowadays that are kind of getting in that late 50s, you know, you know kind of uh, age range where, you know, they don't want to have to work full time, you know, 40, 50 hour work weeks anymore, but they're not ready to completely retire either. So they want some flexibility in, you know, kind of a pre-retirement stage. Um, and, you know, I can, I'll give a quick case study. So I had a client who came to me, it was exactly in that situation. He owned his own business, um, you know, doing a tile contracting. He was in his late fifties and you know, it was like, look, I don't want to work full time. I'm not ready to retire yet. I want to kind of pick and choose the jobs I do. Um, and I want to be able to take time off and work on my own house and, and do that. You know, so how can we make this work? So we set him up in a proprietary product credit line, which gives him the ability now to take a few months off, not have to work, not have to rely on income coming in. He can draw his credit line for living expenses. Uh, he can draw additional funds to buy materials to work on his house. And then he can do a few jobs and, and get some good income. And once he gets the income from those jobs, he can turn around and pay his credit line right back down again. And now he's got that credit line still available to him in the future. And so, you know, the idea is that he was 57 when we got him into that loan. He's got till 67 where he's got access to that credit line. Yeah. Um, but at 62, he becomes eligible for the HECM. So at any point between 62 and 67, we could refi him over into the HECM, and now he's got that credit line available to him for life. But it's just given him now complete flexibility and financial freedom to you know, kind of be in that pre-retirement phase, really pick and choose the jobs he wants to do, not has to do, right? Um, and so great solution for him. I so, love that. I love that creativity, Andrew. And sorry to cut you off, but yeah. as a as a financial planner, I love I love the ability to be able to break the the linear way that people think about money, because we just think about okay, I can only I can only use this account for this type of thing, and I can only use my home for this kind of thing. And and when you're able to say no, we we have the flexibility when when the market's not behaving properly, we can switch where the money's coming from. We can switch it from portfolio to home equity, you know, conversion. We can, we can use the reverse mortgage to supplement income. We can, we can turn that off and go back to, it just gives people a lot of flexibility and something like that for somebody who's approaching retirement, they can, they can have some flexibility in their planning. I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I think so. Then there's, um, you know, another traditional mindset that, you know, right, right, in, right in line with what you were just talking about, which is kind of the traditional thinking of, okay, we're going to, when we pass, we're going to leave our inheritance to, to our beneficiaries, right? And everybody wants to be able to leave that big inheritance, you know, behind and know that their family's taken care of. And yeah, that might give you some, some peace and satisfaction you know on, on your deathbed that you're you're doing that but the reality is is you know your beneficiaries don't see the benefits of that until you're gone right and so you don't actually get to witness it you don't get to you know get that real satisfaction or gratification out of out of you know seeing what they do with that inheritance um and you know i'd say in most cases you know 
that inheritance probably isn't happening at a point in time where it's necessarily needed by the beneficiaries, right? So, you know, throughout our lives, we go through these major life milestones of, you know, you know, going off to college and then, you know, getting married and buying your first house and, you know, then you have kids and your kids are going to college. And so there's all these points in time throughout, you know, our lives where you have these major milestones that have a pretty big financial component to them. Right. And, yeah. you know, those are the points where you most need, you know, the, the additional you know, funds. And so, you know, a different mindset here is, that you can, rather than wait till you're gone to start to, tr to, to transfer all of your inheritance to your beneficiaries, you could actually start transferring that inheritance during those major life milestones, right? So if you set up your reverse mortgage credit line, when your kids or your grandkids are, you know, going off to college, buying their first house, getting married, you know, doing all these things, you could then have the ability to help them financially get going, get, get into, you know, through their major financial life milestones, you know, and, and one of the biggest benefits of it is you're doing it tax-free because when you're pulling funds out of your reverse mortgage, you know, it, it's a mortgage. So you're, you're, it's a loan, you're not getting taxed on that. So you essentially can start transferring, you know, now there are some restrictions and we don't have to go into all the details and people should talk to their CPAs about, gifting, you know, and you yes. know, all, all that, but, but yes. there is the yes. ability to, to pull funds out and, and transfer those funds over, you know, a much longer period of time, you know, so that the beneficiaries are getting the money when they need it most. And, you know, the additional benefit is, is you're actually here to enjoy it, right? You get to, you get to get the gratification, you know, see the, you know, the excitement, the, you know, the, the, the gratitude that they have, um, you know, when you're able to help them out with that, you know, at that point in their life. Um, yeah. So there, there's, you know, there's the, the soft benefits of it. And then there's the, the financial benefits of being able to do that as well. You know, and, and like you touched on earlier is, you know, typically what happens at the very end, you know, again, when that house gets sold and there's a ton of equity in there, not only do you have, you know, bigger tax implications, but then it's, all the all the beneficiaries trying to figure out how to divide it up and you know all of that versus you know if you're able to parse it out you know over you know a much longer period of time when they need it you know then there might be less of a burden you know at the end uh, to worry about so it's it's a different completely different philosophy I guess if you will on it yeah it, may, it makes total sense and and you know again it, uh, estate planning really puts a lot of a lot of this in in its proper place at its proper time but uh, i'll tell you I, I also really like the concept of people being able to use their wealth because for for a lot of retirees a good chunk of their net worth is sitting in the walls and the dirt and the foundation and the carpet and now it's it's in the house it's right. not in their investment accounts and so you know the biggest fear that a lot of people have heading into retirement is is am i going to have enough Am I going to run out of money? And what will I do if that happens, right? Because by the time I run out of money, I'm going to be too old to work or my health care is going to be more expensive. What, what about Medicare and, and all these other things that they have to worry about? So having the flexibility to use all of the assets available to them being equity in retirement kind of helps 
put that concern about, will I run out of money at bay? Because I, I, I know retirees who they have to think about, can I go see my grandkids right now? Because the airlines are so expensive and rental cars are expensive. Everything's just more expensive. So do we, can we go see our grandkids or do we need to not go see them this summer? Now, that's a really, really tough um, decision to make, especially when you're at the point in your life where you've worked. And so now you should be able to enjoy, but you're having to put some limits on that. And if you have this other resource available, it's helpful in, in how, how that money gets spent. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And well, then on the flip side, you said, you know, who's it for, who's it not for? So I think yes. we talked, you know, who's it for, um, you know, not for, um, obviously if you're not age qualified, right. So that, that's an easy one. Um, if you're looking to purchase second home investment property with the loan itself, then obviously you can't do that. Um, but what I'd say that the other one, the key one is time. It's not a short-term product. Um, if, if you believe that the home that you're in, that you're going to put this loan on, you're only going to be in for a few years to five years then don't do a reverse, right? Because it's, you know, it is cost, it does cost more up front. And so that's one of the, the other issues that we didn't touch on earlier, but right. you know, one of the reasons that it, it has a negative perception is because it has that upfront cost. But what people have to think about is there's a reason that there's higher upfront cost, right? With a traditional mortgage, you're paying the lender, the lender's giving you money and then they're getting paid back over, 15, 25, 30 years, they're getting a consistent cash flow coming back in. When you do a reverse, the lender's giving you a bunch of money and then they don't see anything back for, you know, 10, 15, 20, no. 30. I mean, for who knows how long, right? So, so yes, there are upfront costs that go with it. Um, but, and that's why I say, if, if you're only going to be in the property short term, the upfront costs are probably not going to make it make sense. Um, so I would say, you know, you really want to be pretty certain that this is a property that you're going to be in for at least 10 years, you know, um, or more um, if you're going to do it. Um, now, again, things can happen at least 10 years or you know, if you pass, you know, that's a different story. But if you think that there's a chance you're going to move out of that property, you know, you know sooner than, you know, then you know, eight to 10 years, I would say is probably about the minimum you want to be, you know, be in that property for. Oh yeah. And then uh, the amount of equity. Um, That's so, where I was just going to ask that question. Yes. Good. Right. If you don't have at least 55 to 60% equity in the home, then it's not a product that, I mean, we could do one, but you know, what would happen is, is you have to come to the table then, you know, just like with a, another mortgage, you'd have to come with funds to make up the difference at closing. So if you only have 40% equity in your home and we're trying to put a reverse on it, you're going to have to come up with that other 15, 20% equity, you know, to be able to close the gap to be able to get the reverse mortgage done. So you're looking at a big out-of-pocket expense up front um, yeah. to do that. It's probably not going to make sense. I mean, for whatever, whatever our goals are to use the reverse, I would say it's probably going to be contradictory to come out of pocket with, with that much cash. Um, so, so that's really, um, you know, a key thing to consider now, you know, it used to be in the earlier days, and this is where, again, people, 
have a little bit of a misunderstanding because you used to be able to pull like 80, 90% equity out of your home with a reverse. And that's where there were some issues early on with people getting upside down in equity. And then they weren't making their, you know, and that again, wasn't necessarily the issue why they might've been, um, you know, kicked out of their home or foreclosed on. It was probably, you know, not only that they were upside down, but then they weren't paying their taxes and insurance and, and other things like that. Right. Um, <clears throat> they've revamped the program now. So you've got more robust protections in place for the borrowers, but also they've drastically reduced the amount of equity that you can get. Right. Um, basically the amount of equity, you know, there's a couple factors. We look at, you know, the home value, it's based off of that. The older you are, the more equity you can pull out. But the higher the rate, the less equity you can pull out. So okay. they're kind of working, you know. So what we've seen here in the last year with rates going up like they have, it used to be if you had 50% equity in your home, we could probably make a reverse work for you where you could at least pay off your existing mortgage and not have to come out of pocket to be able to do that. Now, you know, we're at, we're closer to 55 to 60% equity. Um, because we've reduced the amount of it was the rates have reduced the amount of equity that you can access. But again, that's where that credit line growth feature comes in and kind of offsets that is, yeah, there's less equity that you can access now, but if you set up that credit line and just let it sit there and grow, you know, then you know you could be getting six, seven percent growth on that year on year. And so, yeah, maybe you don't need it now, but it's you're setting, you know, you're setting it up for, again, protecting the the um, surviving spouse, you know, in a situation where that might occur, just protecting against any kind of emergency, you know, major expense that might come up. But your plan isn't really to be using the funds. You're not going to be taking the monthly disbursements. You're not going to be, you know, pulling a lot of it out on a regular basis. You still set it up and just let it grow over time. And then, but you still have the peace of mind that the surviving spouse is going to be taken care of, that you've got funds available for emergencies, you know, things like that. Yeah. So that's another consideration. Okay. Well, th this has been, a t I don't even, even know if this is the tip of the iceberg for this topic, right? Just like anything that's really interesting and, and there's, there's enough complexity and, and that kind of thing, but as uh, for people who are listening, I mean, if you're under, you know, if you're in your 30s or 40s, this is definitely something that you can talk to your parents about, and you can send them this episode or any number of resources on reverse mortgages and get them to somebody like Andrew who can be helpful uh, in discussing those options. But if you're in that age group for a reverse reverse mortgage, and this directly applies to you, and Andrew, what's what's maybe something for somebody hearing this conversation that you would want them to take away? You know, again, I just mainly is not to view the reverse as like you know the boogeyman you know that it's been made out to be historically. Yeah. Not definitely not to think about it as you know. In fact, I, it's funny. I had a call with another financial advisor a couple of weeks ago, an intro call with her, and the first thing she said to me was, "Yeah, you know, I've always thought about reverse mortgages as like a product of last resort." And I said, you know, that's hilarious. Give me a second. Let me share my screen with you. And I showed her my presentation deck and the title slide of my presentation deck is reverse mortgages, not just the last resort. Right. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of the key takeaway for people that, 
you know, A, they either have a negative perception or have, you know, some of these, you know, myths about reverses that they see them in a negative light. Um, so, you know, you know, I think don't think that, you know, you know, it's a, it's a tool, it's a product that has a place. Um, and then, you know, mainly think that it's not a last resort. You know, there are a lot of different scenarios where you can utilize the product proactively it can be very complementary to a broader financial plan and strategy um, to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, again, I just—I mean, one we didn't even touch on earlier, which is using it to purchase. I know we're wrapping up, but you know, again, people don't realize you can use a reverse to purchase, and so when people are downsizing, you know, they think all I've got is the equity from the house I'm selling. So if I have five hundred thousand in equity, then I and I want to pay cash. Then I can only afford a five hundred thousand dollar property. Well, no. The reality is, is you know, with that five hundred thousand cash, you could really afford about a nine hundred thousand dollar property because you could use your cash and then reverse the rest and buy that nine hundred thousand dollar property um, and never have to make a payment on it, right? And so, in a way, you know, you could basically get into that property for almost half price live in it until you die and you've never made another payment on it and you, know, you can so re reuse that five hundred thousand dollars along the way right yeah that's amazing well um andrew tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you if they have more questions about reverse mortgage or even uh getting a review of their situation how can they reach absolutely you? um so reach me at andrew.kish at goluminate.com. It's my email, uh, phone number 602-710-0856. Uh, that's my direct number. Uh, so if you, if anybody has questions, wants me to run a scenario, uh, wants to, again, has questions and wants to just kind of talk through some of these, you know, myths, misconceptions, um, you know, different scenarios and case studies of how to use it. I'm I'm always happy, you know, to run through that with with anybody that's interested. Great, and I'll I'll put all of that contact information for you in the show notes. And um, and I would just say for anybody listening, you know, reverse mortgage is definitely another way that people can continue to live out their financial purpose. So if you have questions about that, please get in touch with Andrew. If you want to know how it could fit into your financial planning profile, your uh, health monitoring for uh, financial life reach out to me, be happy to help. And uh, in the meantime, until next time, take care. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Dale. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about your financial purpose at lifemoveswealth.com. 